Hey people, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I'm Chris Hatfield, aka Not Another Sales Guy. I'm a sales coach and consultant who works with coaches, business owners, and people in the world of sales who want to become more comfortable and confident in selling in their own natural human way. If you're enjoying the podcast episodes and would like to access some great free resources linked to the podcast series through the monthly newsletter, which also includes podcast extracts and news on upcoming masterminds, live streams and events, then you can email me chris.hatfield at notanothersalesguy.com. That's chris.hatfield at notanothersalesguy.com and quote, let's do this. This episode of Not Another Sales Podcast is brought to you by Mindful Talent, a global coaching organization that trains aspiring coaches and innovative leaders. Their programs, The Trusted Coach and The Trusted Leader, are founded on the principles of mindfulness and developed in alignment with contemporary neuroscience, offering a globally recognized coaching qualification that is accredited by the Association for Coaching. Their online blended learning program has qualified hundreds of participants around the world, helping them to gain an edge in life and in business by increasing their emotional and social intelligence and their ability to connect with others. If you're interested in training with this incredible organization, which I would highly recommend, then you can visit their website and use my personalized URL code to gain 10% off any of their programs. www.mindfultalent.coach That's www.mindfultalent.coach and reference my code, not another sales. And now, on with the episode. In today's episode, I'm joined by author of Gap Selling, CEO of A Sales Guy, Forbes contributor, and keynote speaker, Keenan. And Keenan and I are going to be talking all about understanding and positioning change within the world of sales. We're going to start with what salespeople often overlook and misunderstand when it comes to change, and how you can make your customers feel more comfortable with change and how to build a case for it. Keenan's also going to be sharing some insights into his latest book, Gap Selling, on the topic of change and other areas that can enhance the way you sell within this day and age. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Keenan, welcome. How are you? I am good, my man. I am good, good, good. Great. Well, thank you so much for putting some time aside to join me on an episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. I like that because I don't want to be on just another sales podcast. Exactly. You're in the right place then. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the, exactly the right place. I love that. <laughs> so, so Keenan, for people that are, that are tuning in and, and aren't aware of, of who you are, which are probably very few people, uh, it would be great for you to give them a bit of, a, a bit of an overview and a story of, of what makes you you. Oh, boy. Um, what makes me me is pretty evident when I start talking and people start listening to me. So I don't even know how to put that in a bottle or, or give that a label. Um, But, you know, I'm the, I don't know, I'm the author of Gap Selling, um, getting the customer to yes and uh, not taught what it takes to be successful in the 21st century. I'm the CEO and president of a sales guy, uh, consulting, training and recruiting company out of Denver, Colorado. I ski my ass off. I don't know all that good stuff. Great. Love it. And when I, when I first saw your name and then obviously saw mine, I was like, this is going to be a nice little, uh nice little conversation a sales guy and not another sales guy right exactly I, that was good let, let the let the rap battle begin <laughs> absolutely let's get going and um you know having you mentioned your book at the start there around gap selling and, and thank you so much for sending a copy over for, for me to read and 
I was I was reading through that, and one of the things that really struck with me when I was thinking, you know, because you, you talk a lot about great stuff, and we could probably do about 20 different episodes of the things based on the book and what you know. But um, when I was reading through the truth bombs, a, a lot of them were, were relating to this concept of change and something that I talk about a lot as well. And it, it caught my attention because I think change, not just in the world of sales, but as, as human beings, we don't naturally like and we find it a challenge. So I suppose from your point of view, when it comes down to the aspect of change, when it relates to selling, what are some of the things that people overlook or misunderstand when they're speaking with their customers? Well, you know, it's funny. It's, in my opinion, it's pretty easy. They look, they overlook the whole premise that their customer is faced with change, that is has to change or is thinking about changing, and that that changing is at the center of it all. Like they mm. just completely are oblivious and ignorant to that. Like I literally ask people in trainings, I'm like, okay, what is it the core selling? A problem, you know, relationships, you know, blah blah blah. No change. Like no sale can happen. Unless you're changing, right? Mm. So no matter how small, how big, it's like, oh, I think I need gas. I'm going from an empty gas tank, inability to get to work, inability to get to the mountains, inability to get wherever I'm going um, and back without running, you know, without breaking down to um, going to plenty of gas and get to where I want to go. I can get rid of the anxiety of not making it. I don't have to worry about, um, you know, not getting to my kids on time, whatever the case may be, right? So that's a change. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a small change, it's a change to massive changes where somebody might be implementing a new software application or bringing consultants or whatever. That's like, okay, here's where I am today. And if I make this decision, this is where I expect to be tomorrow. That, and, yeah. and most people don't sell with that. Don't sell that way. They don't sell to align or, or influence people through the process of change. Mm. And they don't even empathize with them in the first place, as you mentioned there, or even recognize that there is a change. So therefore they just make nope all these assumptions and think because they know what they're talking about, the customer should. And of course, when you don't start with empathy, you're, you're not putting yourself in, in a great first impression at all to be able to relate to someone. No, no. And, and you don't, yes. And you can't have the empathy because you don't understand mm. their current state, what they're currently struggling with the impact of that current state to their organization, to them as a person, to the people they care about, to their customers, whatever. And then where they want to go, their desired future state, and then the intrinsic motivation of that desired future state. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned there as well around, I think, something else that is misunderstood around change is that it's a it's a process. It's not just one single decision. And when you're selling to people, you need to, you know, remind them of that and be be aware of that throughout the the process, throughout the sales cycle, that it's not just getting to a point where it's like a yes or a no, that you're you're building it throughout to, to build this case for change by understanding that there's there's parts of the process rather than it just being right. We're, we were doing this and now we're doing this. It's so much bigger than that. Way bigger than that. I mean, one of the things I say is if you're going to really truly understand, you know, what your customer is going through and, and, and how you can help them, you first got to understand the current state. And by doing so, therefore, you need to understand five elements of the current state. You know, what is like, what is the physical and literal? That's just basically describing their world, their environment, like what's going on. Then what's the problem of problems they're having in their existing state They're you know, that current, that existing physical and literal. Then what's the impact of those problems because they exist. Mm. And then what's the emotional impact of having those problems, fear, anxiety, you know, anger, frustration, whatever. And then finally, what's the root cause? Like, why are they, in, why are they happening in the first place? What, what's a, what's, what's behind the problem existing. And if you, if you don't get that information, don't know that information, 
then it's really difficult for you to provide a solution or even show that you understand what they're going for and therefore influence the sale. And when you don't know that, when I tell people all the time, if you don't know the bare minimum their current state, but for sure, if you don't know their current state and future state, you're not a salesperson because salespeople's job is to influence. I pay you to influence the customer in a positive light. You're a glorified order taker, mm. right? If you just say, oh, my product is this, my product is this, do you need this, do you need that, great, we can do this. Then the customer has to go back and do all that work themselves in their head, whether it's conscious or subconscious. It's like, well, do I want to go here? Can it accomplish this? I'm really struggling with this. I'm concerned about this. And then they say, okay, I'll buy or I won't buy. And all you do is take the order. You think you sold because you told them a bunch of stuff, but you didn't influence anything. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned it there as well. It's something that people overlook is, is change isn't just this physical thing that happens like a shift. It's so much bigger than that. As you mentioned, there's a lot of yeah. um, emotional connections to it. And as you, as you talked about, when you can unearth that, that pain or that gain, I mean, that's I believe why people buy they buy for two reasons either to unearth um relieve pain or achieve gain and yep. once you start unearthing that you create that emotional connection which which is easier to be able to sell to because you're you're alleviating the actual root cause yep and one of the things that look that I the reason I wrote gap selling and I love about it and I could have done a better job explaining this in the um in the book but boy marketing is going to run with it we gap selling helps you sell both it's you, it helps you sell why they should move away from the pain mm-hmm. and then it sells the value of the game. You're actually doing both simultaneously, which becomes, and you just know which, which to emphasize and which to de-emphasize based on where the, where the prospect or buyer is. So that's the, that's the beauty in understanding this process is that you can actually leverage both buying triggers, not just one, because most salespeople spend their time in the game, right? All the time, features and benefits, that's game. Mm. they don't help them understand why that by not moving is also going to be painful. They don't combine that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that comes down to, I think a lot of people, I was talking about this with um, someone I worked with a couple of weeks ago around not enough salespeople spend enough time actually questioning and looking to understand their customers. They all want to jump to their value proposition and talk about all this stuff as to why they're great, but that's all very well future thinking. But as you said, like what about the current state of affairs? If you don't truly understand that, you don't realize the gap in between of what you're fixing. Yep. And I would argue you can't, you can't actually talk about a value proposition if you don't know the, um, the, the gap, if you don't know the future mm. state, you don't know the current state, right? How, how can I, if I don't know your situation, how can I tell you what you, the value proposition is? Cause everybody buys it for a different reason. Yeah. Yeah. It's like trying to sell someone a house and not actually understanding what do they live in at the moment and like why they're looking to move. I mean, you could be positioning like thinking oh it's a four bed but they could be in a four bed already or you, you just don't know you need to understand where they're starting at exactly exactly oh we have the greatest house in the world it's got a pool it's got four bedrooms it's in this neighborhood etc cetera, etc cetera. and the reason they want to move is because their kids moved out of the house they don't want a yard they don't want to do yard work they want to reduce their monthly payment blah blah well where's your value props you don't have any yeah yeah. Right. So you, you, yeah, you have to know their situation in order to actually effectively describe your value proposition. Mm, absolutely. And what do you think, um, like for, for people listening to this, how can salespeople become start to become more effective at first of all recognizing change is obviously the most important thing, but building a case for it and helping their customers move through it. So it really comes, what I always say, closing starts at the beginning of the sale. It's really about doing an, an effective discovery that uncovers the um, uncovers the gap 
mm-hmm. the way you uncover the gap is you first have to get the full current state. Then you have to get the full future state. And then um, um, you have to, um, how do I say this? Then you have to calculate the gap, right? So um, how do I describe how you do that? So here, here's how you go about it, right? I'm going to tell about a client that I had. I had a client, I'm going to mix it up, but it, it'll make sense to listeners, right? Um, they were currently a um, little off quota, not terribly off quota. Um, this, so here, I'll do it like this. The physical and literal of the current state. They had offices in four different countries or regions, uh, South America, Australia, uh, Europe, and North, and North America. They had, I don't know, 15, 14 sales reps. Each area was managed by, each sales team was managed by a general manager. They didn't have a centralized selling organization, like a, a centralized sales leader. Each one was, they were, they were managed independently, if you will, decentralized. They were decentralized. Mm-hmm. Um, they were growing about 20%. However, they weren't growing fast enough to meet their five-year plan. They had a five-year plan of, uh, I'm going to make up the number, of, of $100 million by 2025 or by 2020. They weren't going to make, they weren't tracking to that. They weren't moving the, they weren't driving the software sales that they wanted. So as, as I dug in and dug in, what I quickly recognized was, okay, here's your gap. So I said, well, what are you doing? I, and, and Ashley had said, I'm doing, I'm on track to get to 85 million. I'm making numbers up now. Right. And so basically yeah. after all these questions, I was able to say, go back and say, okay, here's the deal. Yeah. You're growing and that's good, but you're $15 million shy of your 2020 target. What happens if you don't make that? And they said, well, hey, we never thought about it, but the reason we need it is we're thinking about, we were thinking about getting um, purchased. We want to go on the market. We know that if we can get to that number, our valuation goes up, blah, blah, blah. Like, oh, so there's your intrinsic motivation. So there's hundreds of millions of dollars on the line if you don't get that, not just in revenue, but in value of the company. And what happens if you don't have an exit then? He's like, well, I don't know. I mean, the, old, the owner is a little older, blah, 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 blah. So all of a sudden, I was able to calculate what the heck was going on. Right. And I realized that's what they were going to buy. Right. They were going to buy the ability to get back on track to that hundred million in 2020 and be able to maximize the shareholder value or the valuation of the company in order to position themselves if they wanted for sale. Mm. That's what they were buying. They were not buying consulting help or sales training or anything. And then what I was able to do is by once I understood their current state, I was like, well, let me give you a few things to think about before I dig any deeper. Your decentralization is killing you. Here's why. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Your um, uh, the, the fact that you're not going after uh, your, your software sales are down is because of this. Boom, 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 boom. And so now I built credibility and through building that credibility by addressing the problems they shared with me, I became their default. Like, okay, we're going with you. End of discussion. Yeah. Everybody else was talking about all the shit they do. Well, we do this and we do that. And we do this and we do that. Forget it. I don't need to sell the product. I'm going to sell the problem. Mm. So I hope that answered your question. I know it was long, but I hope that answered your no, question. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Is it, uh, well, uh, uh, all of that relates, relates, and I can definitely relate to that, having seen it worked in that way, but also completely opposite with some people that I've seen sell over the years. Um, and I think what you mentioned there about going into their problems and, and building that credibility is one of the important things is to, is to use your insight and to use stories once you do understand where they're currently at, because you can build your credibility 
through showing that you understand their industry and their market without necessarily having to just talk about what you do, but giving them a reason the to, to feel safe. You can do it through the questions. People don't understand how powerful questions are. Mm. My favorite, favorite were, uh, response when I'm doing a, or yeah, response, I guess a term when I'm doing, a, um, when I'm doing a, a discovery call, my favorite, like I can't even tell you, I got to start counting them <laughs> is when the prospect goes, like I ask a question and then there's a pause and they go, that's a good question. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, baby. I am winning. I am winning every time. And if I get two, three, four, five of those, mm. fucking done. Fucking done. I own it. I own it. Because what they're doing is like, wow, this guy is thinking about this differently than we are. And mm. we should be thinking about it that way. They know their shit. He, I don't have to tell them I know my shit because he knows I know my shit by the questions I'm asking. Think about going to a doctor. When a doctor asks you a question and you're like, whoa, yeah, I never even thought about that. How much better do you feel? Yeah, so much better. So much better. You're like, oh, he, he's not going to miss it. I might miss it, but he's not. So I trust him. Mm. <coughs> yeah, definitely. I, was, I, I did actually a video on this uh, LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago around questioning to influence in that I think questions, we, again, something that we, we it's talked about a lot, but sometimes people just ask questions for the sake of it. And you've got to think, what answers are you getting back from your questions? If it's not giving you information that helps you influence a sale or build that credibility, then get rid of those questions or at least put them to the back, your tick boxy ones, move the ones to the front that are actually, as you said, going to make your customer think and realize that they're going to start thinking about challenges or issues that they weren't even thinking about in the first place. You're unearthing. Yep. Yep. You got it. You're good at this, Chris. You're good at this, baby. <laughs> Thanks. And one of the other things as well, actually, when I was when I was thinking about this topic and reading through your your truth bombs and talking about, um, you know, one of the things you said, customers don't like change. And as I mentioned at the start, I don't think I think human beings, we we don't like change. And I think it's so important, as you mentioned, with the gap selling to build this pain is because sometimes we're so focused on the future, but we don't build the the pain of the now of, OK, what happens if we stay like this for another month or another three months or another six months? Yep. And yep. it's something that I talk about, and you might have heard of it, of the the, the why change, why now, why you. Um, yep. And it's why people, it's how people buy the process. Whenever you go through a process, you're thinking, why should I change? Why should I change now? And then why should I go with you? And too many salespeople start with why you or why me rather than actually yep. why change. And then they don't even, they jump over the urgency part. So then you get to yep. a buying decision. The guy's like, well, you're right, but I don't really see the point because, you know, it's all they're looking at is price. When, as you mentioned on, I think number six about customers do like change when they can see it's worth the cost, is yep. that's why you need to build that urgency. Because if they stay where they are, what's going to happen in two months? How much more money are they going to lose, or what impact is going to happen from from staying there? And that's and that's the gap. Mm. The gap is the space between where they are today and where they're going to be tomorrow, right? Yeah. So when you say, well, how much money are they going to lose, or or those types of things, that's the gap. So in in one of the ways I really like to describe the gap that a lot of people miss is the gap is based on the the um, the impact of the problem existing, right? Mm -hmm. So an example I like to and this is this is the power of the gap because really good salespeople they can expand the gap if they're smart. So let's just say you have a brutal, 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 brutal migraine headache, right, Chris? Yep. And it's Sunday morning. Okay, that's a real problem. Can we agree with that? Absolutely. All right. So. Would you pay 500 bucks to make that headache go away? If I, if I knew it was going to go away, potentially, yes. 
Okay, so let's so you question the trust of the product. So let's assume you believe the product's gonna work and the product does work, right? So would you pay a hundred bucks to make that headache go away? It depends what I had on that day. Okay, so you're getting ahead of me. So <laughs> let's just say you had nothing to do all day and you could sit and just put an ice pack on your head and watch football or soccer or whatever. Would you would you pay a hundred bucks? Probably not, no. Would you pay fifty? No. I would. You can maybe get up, get outside of that pain. But anyways, okay, we all have our own pain threshold and you've never had a migraine, clearly. But you get the point, okay? <laughs> yeah. You'd pay 25? Yes, yeah. Okay, you'd buy a pill. You'd buy a pill to make it go 25. Yeah. Now, what if, to your point, well, it depends what I have to do that day. What if I told you that you had, or better yet, what if you're like, no, I'm not, it's not worth it. It's not $25. I'm not going to pay for it. I said, well, wait, what do you have to do tomorrow at work? And you're like, oh my God, I have a proposal. I was like, oh, really? Tell me about that proposal. Yeah, I got a proposal for XYZ company. I go, how much is that proposal worth or for? And you go, it's for $50 million. I said, is it done? And you're like, no, it's about two-thirds done. So I'm like, oh, you got to finish it. So what happens if this, um, uh, uh, you don't get rid of the headache? Can you do it with headache? No, I can't. What is your commission on that proposal? $50,000. How close are you to quota right now? Well, if I did that, I'd get into President's Club. Does your company offer accelerators? Oh my God, yes, they do. Would that put you in accelerators? Holy shit, yes, it would. So your commission would be 50,000 plus, would probably be another 15,000. It's actually $65,000. I didn't even think about accelerators. So now that I ask you all these questions and you're sitting on the couch at eight o'clock in the morning, you're going to pay me a thousand bucks for that pill now? I am now, yeah. Right? So what if we're going to pay me $5,000 for that pill? I probably would. Yes. So let me take it a step further. Would you pay me $200,000 for that pill? And how much am I getting back? 50,000 if you, if, 65,000 if you get the, um, if you get the, uh, the, if you get your commission check and it all works out. I get $65,000 back. Yeah, that's what your commission yeah. is if you get okay. the proposal done. So, so would you pay 200K? No. Okay, so now watch what happens. I said, all right, listen, I have one more question for you. Um, how long have these headaches been coming on? You're like, oh, no, did you ask it? I didn't really have them. And all of a sudden, the last six months, I've been getting them. And I said, well, where is it? Well, tell me, describe the headache. It's like, really, it only happens in one spot right behind my right eye. I said, do me a favor, look in the mirror. Does your right eye seem a little droopier than your left? Yeah, now that you say that, it does. I said, let me take a picture. What do I find? I find you've got a brain tumor. Six months to live. But my pill also gets rid of the brain tumor as part of getting rid of the headache, and you'll be able to live a normal life. Do you pay $200,000 then? Yeah. So notice what I've done here. Same problem. Most salespeople try to sell to the problem of the headache. Hey, man, I can make that headache go away. But it's, you're not buying to make the headache go away. You're buying based on the impact or the gap, right? The gap between where you are now and where you could go. So in the first scenario, is that a small or a big gap? Uh, small. Yeah, it's like I, I'm on my couch, and if I yeah. fix this, I'll still be on my couch, but I just won't have a headache, right? Yeah. The second one, future state, I'm on my couch, I can't see, I can't get this proposal done, and therefore I'm, I'm going to potentially lose out on a lot of money versus I'll make a lot of money. Is that a bigger gap or a smaller gap? Big. Big gap. Yes. Big gap. Now it's like, holy shit, I'm going to die, not see my kids graduate from college or not get married, et cetera. Is that a, a small gap or a giant gap? Giant. Now watch what I do one more time because you, you've nailed it. It's all about the gap. Imagine if you sold that pill. So now that you're not the customer, you're the salesperson and you stumbled upon the guy who's got the brain tumor and he's going to die in six months. Are you thinking to yourself, yes, I've got a sweet client and I've got a $2 million sale. Are you excited? Uh, well, it, yes, and well, I'm you know I'm glad I'm going to be able to solve this problem if he actually buys it. But yeah, you don't you you know you feel bad the guys are cancer, yeah. right? Like yeah, you, exactly. You, you're like 
Yes. You're like, I got a dope client, right? Yeah. Watch what happens when I ask a few more questions and just roll. Is this so you ask me a question? I'm like, um, all right, you know, we can make this go away in six months and, uh, and, and save you. But let me ask a quick question. How old are you? I'm 99. Where do you live? I live in a nursing home. Are your kids still alive? Two of them. And they never come see me. What about your grandkids? Yeah. I've never, I haven't seen them in years. What about the people that you went into the nurse? I, I sit around all day doing nothing. Now what? Are you going to pay a million dollars now? No. It's impact, Chris. It's what salespeople miss every fucking time. It's not the problem. It's not the pain. It's the impact mm. between the current state and the future state. If I'm a 99-year-old man who has no friends, he sits in a wheelchair, he has to deal with the freaking nursing home, his kids don't come visit him, is he saves his life. Is that a big gap or a small gap? It's a small gap. Tiny. So I'm not going to pay anything for it. Same problem, same solution. It's the gap that drives everything. And that, I know it was a long explanation, but that's what people miss, the yeah. gap. And um, what was the inspiration behind the book then? What what happened? Was it a, a one aha moment of this needs to be written down or was it a culmination of things? Years and years and years of a blind man like, I know what this is, man, I got it and I could do it, but I couldn't explain it. I couldn't label it. And then all of a sudden sitting with a client one day, cause this is how, this is how my brain works. I'm very um, oratory. I just said, yo man, what's the difference between where they are today and where they want to go? And he said, I don't know. I'm like, well, how, then how do you know it's valuable? This, it, and all of a sudden I'm speaking in these terms, literally speaking yeah. in these terms. And, and I was like, Ooh, that's it. And I wrote it down and then <laughs> built on it from there. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And, and yeah. what, what do you think then, Keenan, you've learned most about yourself over, over your career within sales and, and now? Is there, a, is there one or two things or something that's stuck with you the most? That stuck with me the most? I would say what stuck with me the most is is just what I put, what I, everything that's in gap selling. Like they just all came little by, okay, if you forced me to reduce it to one thing, the thing that stuck with me the most, and I think was inherent to me as a child, even when I wasn't selling for a business, but selling to get the other kids to do what I wanted them to do is that problem centric selling, putting the decision maker first is the best way to sell. You know, who does this really good? Like this is, I think naturally we do it and then we forget because we're taught something else do you know does this awesome do you have kids chris no not yet kids do it awesome so when i say to my kids no you can't go out riding your bikes with jennifer Mm -hmm. right my kids don't start saying but dad i'll be responsible but dad i'll come home at this time but dad i'll do this which is product centric saying my kids say why yes why can't i and you know why they're asking me to tell them why because they understand. Yes, they want to understand. And then once they understand, then they will start telling, selling me on me. If I say, well, I'm just, it, it's, I'm, it's too late. Or you got to get your homework done or whatever. Then, they be, then they'll be like, wait, my homework's already done. And I've got A's, dad, and this and, and that. And they'll just ev- eviscerate my argument mm. using my logic, using my reason. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. The kids get it. Kids yeah. get it. I don't know why salespeople don't do that. They do. They do. We just overcomplicate it. I mean, I think, you know, selling is simple, but some people just want to overcomplicate it. And, and you know, I think there's a lot of stuff out there that I've seen and you probably have as well. 
processes and models and it's just reminding yourself of just being a, a normal human being and you know i spoke to um I, you might have heard victor antonio i uh had him on my podcast and he said you know what as long as you empathize educate and empower people then that's that's all you need to do when you're selling i, I like that i mean empathize educate and empower yes yes i love that and and Victor is well known. He's done a lot of great things. And this is why I'm really proud. So this isn't a compare and contrast against him, but it's just how I broke it down. I mm. love that. Yeah. One of the yeah. most impressive books I ever, ever read was Execution. Right? Yeah. You ever read it? Uh, I don't think so. I've heard of it, though. Larry Bossy and Ram Charan. And so the reason I'm so proud of Gap Selling is I agree with Victor. But the hard part is the execution. Mm -hmm. How do you empower a customer? How do you educate a customer, right? And how do you have empathy? Like, that's great. And it sounds great on paper, but doing it yeah. is an entirely different ballgame. And I don't think anybody has actually developed a methodology. You know, now I'm patting myself on the back because I try not <laughs> to do very often. As effective as gap selling in the execution of empathy, empowerment, and empathy, uh, empathy mm. empowerment, and, ex and whatever. I forgot the other one. Yes. No, it, teaching people how to do it is the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's probably, we're, we're going beyond this, beyond sales now. It's just human, us as humans, really, is that it's all very well. We can learn something, get motivated by it, think, oh, that looks good. But then the execution and, you know, the actual action taking place for it is is something else. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. It falls down. It's hard. Execution is hard. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, great. Well, you know, thank you so much for those, those tips there, Keenan, and, um, some of the stuff you've talked about there, it's definitely been, been beneficial for me. And I know, as I mentioned, I'm really enjoying reading the book, so I'm sure I'm going to soak up a, a lot more from that in terms of going on to the, the other side of things you mentioned at the start of, of starting a sales guy. Um, what was the, what was the inspiration behind that? Um, cause I'm always very interested sort of having done this recently about other people's aha moments or even the name or the concept behind it, but what's, what's the main focus of that side of the business? So the, well, the main focus, well, the main, the business in its totality is we have a, a consulting arm, a training arm and a recruiting arm, right? And mm -hmm. they're pretty self-explanatory, but the, again, if I give advice to people in the world, just keep going, keep pick something and keep going because rarely are there aha moments. Like, I didn't like every, I started three businesses and each one of those businesses failed and they were all aha moments. Do I got an idea? And I run around and try to get the idea to work and it failed, right? This one, my idea was I'm just going to blog. I'm going to start a sales blog. I call it a sales guy because I was a sales guy. That seemed yeah. pretty simple to me. Like, I didn't even think through like trying to get a really cool SEO name or whatever, but it turned out to be one. So it was just a sales guy. And I blogged every single day, well, pretty much every day for two years, like 712 blog posts mm. before anybody knew who I was. And it just grew and grew and grew. And like from eight views a month, 12 views a month, 20 views a month, 40 views a month, just kept, you know, going up and up and up and up until it got to the point of, you know, at one point in time, and I haven't blogged as much as I used to, it's 30,000 views a month, right? So, um, that's how people found me and people started reaching out saying i've been reading your blog for years i love it blah 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 do you i have this problem i read this can you help me out can you da, da, da. and i said oh okay let's see what happens so i wrote on the blog i am now a consultant pretty much and they mm -hmm. were like hey great and all of a sudden i started getting business <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that's how it started and so you know then once you start something you want to grow it so now you got to get smart and do things so add 
you know, add stuff. But yeah, that's really, it, it was an accident. It was an accident. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, what you've said there as well, and, and having spoke to a number of other people who've done a similar thing, like speaking to uh, John Lee DeMass, for example, Lauren Everts, sort of skinny confidential, everything that seems to be in common is, as you said there, just wanting to start a blog with honest intentions, not just trying to think, how can I, how can I make money? How can I do this? But like, for example, as you, as you, probably were doing at the time and still are is is solving a problem and, and giving adding value to people and i think that's what you know for listeners people tuning in really need to remind themselves of these days it's not about thinking oh how can i get rich quick you know start something with a true passion and a purpose for it and if you do that then you 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 can create some form of career out of it eventually so Keenan, other than what we've talked about today, and doesn't necessarily have to relate to the topic, do you have any other tips or any other things that you suggest for people tuning in to be to become more equipped at selling within this this day and age? Mm. You know, I, I think I did. A, I think we did a good job talking about how to be more equipped. I think after that, it's execution, right? Whether it's gap selling or or you know Victor's book or Anthony Andarino. Look, just educate yourself and teach yourself in in a. In, apply absorb and apply what you learn and execute so apart i don't want to be redundant so apart from that what i would say that i think a lot of people don't focus on is reach and this isn't even about being better at sales this is just about being able to provide more opportunity for yourself so all those people that said they you know that you talked about that all sort of started these businesses with with good intentions of trying to help people and and didn't try to just get rich quick etc what is lost in that is all by doing them, doing that, all of them built reach. Mm-hmm. People started knowing who they were, right? And people just do not understand the value. Look, I get this whole argument about privacy today, but what people are missing is the value in reach. When, like, if, if 100 people know who you are and respect you, that gives you more opportunity than the guy that only 10 people know. If 1,000 people know you and respect you, that gives you more opportunities than the guy with 100. If 100,000 people know you, that gives you way more leverage than the guy with only 10,000. And if you have a million, like think about it. Take anything you want in life to write a book, to get a new job, to switch careers, to find a really cool vacation spot. If you have a million people or 100,000 people, even 10,000 people that you say, I need this, your chances of getting it go through the roof the yeah. bigger your reach is. Absolutely. So, so I don't know why people are not working on that because that is unequivocally the most valuable asset you can have in this world today is reach. And for some people, re- pe- for some reason, people poo-poo it and don't think it's important. And then, and then when they need a job or they need something, they run to LinkedIn or run to social media, run to Facebook and ask for help and only get one answer, two answers, then they're mm. upset. It's like, hey, dumbass. It's like credit, right? You can't try to get credit when you want to buy a house. You got to build that credit long before you want to buy that house. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that I talk about regularly, so I won't go in, into so much detail, but I think particularly in this day and age, it's never been easier to be able to build your reach than ever before with, with things like LinkedIn and social media and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatever, but you've got to be proactive and you've got to be social on social, really. It's crazy that we have social media, but yeah, a lot of people will just consume content rather than engaging with it. And yep. you know, my approach has been this year particularly is being you know proactive in engaging with conversations with people because yes, they... They might not be able to, you might not be working with them there and then, but you never know what the future can hold. And it's a bit like, I use this analogy um, on a podcast the other week, it's a bit like having a house party. And then when you do connect with people, you wouldn't just let people into your house without having a conversation with them. 
So don't yes, just connect yes. with people on LinkedIn for the sake of it. Click connect and do and just leave them to it. Like have a conversation with that person. Learn something about them. Do you want to work with them? Do you want to educate them? Do you want to learn from them? Like there must be something from that, but have an intention. Exactly. Amen. You nailed it. You nailed it. Great. Well, Keenan, you know, it's been a real pleasure today. Thank you so much for your time and your insight and your experience. I've really enjoyed it. I got you. Thank you, man. This was fun. You're good. Thank you. Thank you. And for um, the listeners that want to stay up to date in your world, Keenan, how can they find you and how can they find the book? Uh, books on Amazon, or you just put in gap selling. Google, man. Google's our best friend. So yeah. Amazon for the book, uh, salesguy.com for me, or you can just put Jim Keenan or Keenan into um, Google. That's going to find me everywhere too. You can't miss me. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Keenan. And for the listeners, thanks for tuning into another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. Boom. Thank you, baby. Hey, people. Thanks for listening to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts, you can find me on Instagram, Not Another Sales Guy, underscore in each of those words. You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing Not Another Sales Podcast. And also, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, I go by the name of Chris Hatfield. So thanks again and stay tuned for another episode.